Before I entered the seminary, uh, I went to, for a short time, I was at LSU. Uh, so this past weekend, these past couple of days have been a big time like, of just kind of renewal for me these last two weeks because, quite honestly, uh, we're 2-0. and <laughs> um, During the course of the year, there's a couple of times throughout the year that really get, my, get me excited. Like, get me excited to the point that like, I lose sleep the night before. One of them, for some reason, always was the first day of school. I never understood why. I was like, I don't like school. I, the, I actually, I like everything about school, just not the class part. Like the homework, the learning, the being quiet and sitting down, like that stuff didn't go for me. Everything else was wonderful. Another thing, I think this is a widespread kind of thing, uh, Christmas. Christmas Eve, hardest day of the year to fall asleep. Still to this day, even as a priest, like I'm exhausted at the end of the day, but like tomorrow I'm gonna wake up and I'm, maybe I might get, like, get some stuff. Like Santa might pass again, even though I'm almost 30, right? But one thing that I've always been excited about the night before is quite honestly is to kick off the football season. For some reason, I get fired up, I'm excited. I know Father Mark, you don't know I have that problem ever, but we like, just something about it, I get super excited and just get that feeling of anticipation that just kind of starts to flow. Lay down at night, start thinking of what team is going to do what, who's going to do, who's going to step up for LSU, how are we going to, and on earth are we going to beat a team like Miami, and then we do, right? No, but just like, there's something about it that like, that anticipation builds up. Yesterday, in Baton Rouge, there's like, it's built into the day. These different benchmarks of anticipation. Two and a half hours before the game, you better be on the road right by Victory Hill before they walk into the stadium, otherwise you're going to miss the players walking in. Two and a half hours, you can set your watch by it. An hour later, the band will come down that same hill, and that anticipation is going to continue to build. I remember sitting there waiting and waiting and waiting for hours for the band, for the team, all these things to kick off the game. They did all that for Southeastern. <laughs> they did all that for a little team from Hammond that had no chance, unless you watch the second half. But unless, like, they did all that for a team that really had no chance in the game. And there was this sense of anticipation that was just pumping through these 90,000, 100,000 people in Baton Rouge yesterday. If we get that excited about a football game, how much more so for the Israelites today? In our first reading, the Israelites, for all of the Old Testament, tells the story from the fall of Adam to the point that Jesus is born, that a Messiah is coming, and there's a sense of anticipation that continues to build up over and over and over throughout the course of history that points to a baby in a manger. Like the coming of their Messiah just builds this sense of anticipation where it becomes palpable. They can feel it. They can taste it. And in our first reading, Isaiah tells us how you're going to know who the Messiah is. He's going to heal the deaf. He's going to heal the mute. Give sight to the blind. Lift up the crippled. 
Like Isaiah is pointing, is is part of that storm of anticipation that is pointing to the coming Messiah. Then enters our gospel. And Jesus does these things. So like it makes sense that 2,000 years, thousands and thousands of years, generation after generation, anticipating and waiting for the Messiah, it points to this moment where Jesus actually heals these people. Now the thing was, is that the Israelites didn't know who the Messiah was going to be. They didn't know how he was going to look. They were expecting a certain like, tri- like political kind of uh, leader, a king, something like that. They never expected that it was going to be Jesus. Likewise, this is where the context, the setting of our, the setting of our gospel today really means something. This gospel happens, like this episode happens, these healings happen in a place that's really, really Greek. Now, that might not seem like a big deal, but the Greeks had a lot of philosophy and they had a lot of questions about God. They had a lot of these kind of like trying to figure out who is God. There's a handful of ways they tried to express him. That he's just kind of like this abstract idea that's out there. That was one way. Another way was that like God is just like, it's basically like a list of rules. Like the good is basically God. So God's a list of rules. God's an abstract idea. Some of them would have said that God is just this like big, powerful being that put everything together and stepped back. And he's completely disinterested from anything going on in the world. Now those are three very, very different ideas of who God is. But Jesus proves to them in this scripture that he is God by fulfilling the Old Testament. But he also proves to them that he is God, that he's not just some kind of abstract idea. He's not just a list of rules. He's not this disinterested kind of being who just steps back. But that he is, that God is a person. That we have a personal God. Like Jesus comes, like God comes in the person of Christ. God comes as a person to experience persons. To experience us. He comes to meet us, who we are, persons, here. Now I think a lot of times, whether we want to admit it or not, we may fall into thinking of God in that kind of frame of mind. Like, he's just this kind of abstract idea. He's kind of there, kind of controlling stuff. We don't really know how. Or, or God is just, he's just a list of rules. It's a bunch of thou shalt nots. And as long as I do all the things I'm supposed to do and don't do the things I'm not, I'm going to be okay. Or he's completely disinterested. He just kind of created me, made me, I'm walking the earth, and he stepped back. God doesn't come in as one of those three kind of things. God comes as a person, as Jesus Christ. And he wants to come to encounter you and me more deeply today. He wants to come and be face-to-face with you and I today in this Mass, in this place, at this time. 
He wants to meet you. Not you collectively, not you plural, you singular. God wants to meet you in a deeper way. Now some of us here may have had amazing experiences with God and know his existence and know his presence and have seen him face to face and have had powerful prayer experiences. Awesome. Some of us, this might be news. This might be a new thing. I'm not sure. Like I do this church thing because I'm kind of supposed to. Or like me, I do this church thing because if not, I would literally not be able to sit down for a week. Spankings. <laughs> like, it, it, it may be there. But the beautiful part is, is that God is a person. God is personal and wants to invite you into a deeper relationship with him, even if you've never experienced it before. Even if you've never seen his face or known his presence before. He wants you. If you have had those experiences, then I invite you, reflect on how has it changed your life. Because an encounter with Jesus Christ doesn't just stay sterile. An encounter with Jesus Christ doesn't just leave us to our own devices, or our own vices. It doesn't just leave us to, our, like, to do what we've always done. An encounter with Jesus changes who I am. An encounter with Jesus changes how I act, what I say, who I'm with who I associate with. If you feel like you've had that encounter before and you want to know if it's changed your life, there's, three, there's two places that you can look. Two very, very easy, very, very simple places you can look. Number one, look at your calendar. Where over the last seven days have you made time for Jesus? Have you like dove in and allowed that relationship to continue to change you? We got mass on Sunday. Check. Where else have you carved out time for the Lord? The second place. Look at your history on your Netflix account. On your computer. What entertainment are you filling yourself with? Does that entertainment that we fill ourselves with, even if it's a terrible football game, um, it, that entertainment that we fill ourselves with, does it reflect the love of a disciple of our Lord? Does it reflect someone who's had their life changed by Jesus Christ? Those are two places that I think in our world today that we can continue to look back at and continue to see, like, how is it that my life has been changed by Jesus Christ? Whether you find yourself as a veteran and you know that, hey, I've seen Jesus face to face, or you find yourself as someone who's new to this whole thing and just starting to kind of put one toe in the pool to test the water, Jesus still desires you as much as he desires everyone else in this church tonight. And the beautiful part is, is that through the sacraments, we get to see him face to face. The beautiful part is, is that tonight, as you come up for communion, it's not just a symbol. It's not just some kind of like grandioso idea. It's not just some kind of old thing that we hand on from time to time. When we come to receive communion, we don't come just to get a piece of stale bread and bitter wine. We come to receive Jesus Christ 
his whole person into our life. We get to see our Savior face to face with us. We get to receive him into our life. So no matter where you find yourself on that spectrum, a brand new or a vet, whatever it is, whenever that encounter of Jesus Christ, when that time, that space where we find ourselves face to face with the Lord and ready to welcome him in our life, when that time comes, we take the words of today's gospel that Jesus prayed over the blind and deaf man for each one of us in our own hearts. Be opened. Tonight, as we come to see the Lord, as we come to receive the Lord, as we come to be changed by the Lord, may that same prayer that Christ prayed over that blind, mute, over that deaf, mute man be the prayer that he prays over us tonight. Be opened. May our hearts be opened to the Holy Spirit's power. May, the, may our hearts be opened to the Father's love. May our hearts be opened to the presence of Jesus Christ that comes into our life and changes us. Amen.